0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the IPI Policy Basics Podcast. Today's topic is Fixing the Filibuster. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. With our IPI Policy Basics Podcast, we are building an audio library on basic policy concepts and topics for those who want to learn, and understand how to think about policy, or who want to get up to speed on a particular issue. Today we're going to talk with IPI resident scholar Dr. Merrill Matthews about fixing the filibuster. So Dr. Matthews, there's a lot of chatter these days about the filibuster and threats to do away with it and uh, all of that. So enlighten us about the filibuster.
1: Well Tom, had Mr. Smith, and I'm talking about the actor Jimmy Stewart here, Gone to Washington after 1975, the film about his Senate filibuster would have been a lot less interesting or physically demanding. Uh, Now, the issue of the Senate filibuster, as you point out, filibuster reform or repeal, is back in the news. Uh, And now that Democrats control the House of Representatives, the Senate and the White House, many of them are pushing to end the Senate filibuster so they can ram through their most radical proposals, without any Republican support and a growing number of Democrats. Senators have moved off the fence and now support eliminating the filibuster. Uh, Some of the more moderate Senate Democrats, especially Joe Manchin of West Virginia, have been strongly opposed, though even he may be getting to move a little bit. Uh, He recently said that he would be willing to talk about some reforms there. So he may be uh, moving closer to doing, accepting some kind of reform. As as for President Joe Biden, his press secretary, Jen Psaki, said the president's preference is to not get rid of, that's a quote, or make changes to the filibuster, pointing to what the administration has accomplished in the past six weeks. Now, I don't know what they've accomplished in the past six weeks, except for executive orders, except for the uh, $1.9 trillion bill that they managed to get through without... um, without any Republican support. And they've been sort of pointing at that saying, we've got our major legislation through without any Republican support. So we don't necessarily need to eliminate the filibuster or change it.
0: I think it's fair to say that when, when Republicans control the Senate, Democrats want to hang on to the filibuster. And when Democrats control the Senate, Republicans want to hang on to the filibuster because they see it as like their only tool in order to have any leverage in the Senate. But we've seen with these different swings of control, we've seen the filibuster now eliminated for judges, mm-hmm. right? We've seen the filibuster eliminated for Supreme Court judges. So the filibuster is getting eroded in a sense over time, but yet it's still largely in place.
1: Now, Democratic voters also appear to support ending the filibuster. A 2020 poll by a Washington University professor uh, found that 51% of Democrats support ending the filibuster versus 35% of Republicans. And I I find that interesting because just a little over a majority of Democrats want to, but there's still 35% of Republicans who want to do that. My guess is the number of Democrats, this was a 2020 poll, my guess is the number of Democrats has actually increased since then. I I suspect it's even larger. Interestingly, only 26% of independents support the move, which is fewer than Republicans. So independents seem to be less interested in ending the filibuster than Republicans are, even though Republicans could be hurt the most if Democrats control. What listeners need to know is that the Senate filibuster was not part of the Constitution, so eliminating it wouldn't take a constitutional amendment. However, it has become one element in ensuring the Founders' overall vision of a limited, deliberative government that protects the rights of the minority and minimizes the potential for what's referred to as the tyranny of the majority. And the tyranny of the majority is where uh, you get 51% and then you do whatever you want to without any recognition or, or persuasion from anybody else.
0: So my understanding of the history of the filibuster, as you point out, it's not in the Constitution, it's simply a Senate rule. Right. And it's it's sort of a historical accident. But it is in keeping with the purpose of the Senate, right? the The, the, the Senate is not really intended to be the same sort of democratic institution like the house is the the senate is where things are supposed to slow down and be deliberated and considered right and so the filibuster is in keeping with the design and purpose of the senate even though it's not part of the original design
1: and the senate is is considered a continuing body whereas the house changes every two years Mm -hmm. uh the senate's considered to be a continuing body and so you have the senators rotating when they're getting uh Uh, re-elected or elected and and so forth. So it was meant to be a more deliberative uh, and perhaps more thoughtful. And of course, initially it was, uh, the Senate was appointed by the states. And so it was meant to represent the states a little more rather than directly represented by the, uh, elected by the population and therefore responsible to the people themselves.
0: Right. And I think you probably agree with me that that was also a historical mistake, (laughs) (laughs) making the Senate uh, democratically elected. You know, there's an expression that that is used to describe the Senate. That it's supposed to be the cooling saucer of democracy. It's supposed to be where things go to slow down. But for the last, I don't know, for the last decade or so, it really seems like the Senate is where things go to die. Mm-hmm. And it's it's because of the way the filibuster is practiced today, is it not? Right. And
1: and interestingly, I I, I heard a commentator once point out that on the reason that the uh, the founders had the House of Representatives elected by the people and the Senate elected by the states is that they wanted to make sure that one body of Congress didn't know its jobs to how much money they doled out to individual Mm. people. Yep. Yep. So while the U.S. Constitution does require a supermajority vote in several instances, the Senate filibuster isn't one of them, nor was it as original uh, part of the rules of the Senate. As Sarah Binder, a senior fellow in governance studies at the Brookings Institution and a professor at George Washington University has pointed out, both the House and Senate initially had rule books that included what was called a previous question motion, which allowed a vote to be called on a main question, thereby ending debate, Uh, a process followed in both houses until 1806. So Calling the question essentially uh, meaning that you could end debate on something, and both houses had that, and you could end it fairly easily. As the president of the Senate, though, Vice President Aaron Burr, that was Thomas Jefferson's vice president, encouraged the Senate in 1805 to drop that provision, which it did in 1806. But it was in 1837 before the Senate minority initiated the first real filibuster, refusing to end debate. And that's a key point that w- what a filibuster does is it'll, it requires um, the debate to continue. You're not ending debate. So people, I think, sometimes think of the filibuster as somehow they're voting on the legislation. But in fact, what the filibuster does is the, a vote comes up to say, are we going to cl- end debate and move on to a vote? And the filibuster allows them to not end debate. And so the issue is how do we get to a point where we can actually end debate?
0: Right. We've been talking about the filibuster, but we haven't really explained what it was. Right. But I think most listeners know, but yes, technically what a filibuster does is it delays the final vote right. on something by keeping debate open.
1: And may kill, the, kill it if they, know, if they never remove the filibuster and don't get the votes they need, the 60 votes they need to get past the filibuster. Exactly. And so that's part of the history of it. And, and Binder says that even though they came up with a type of a filibuster in 1837, a way to uh, refuse to end debate, it was exercised very few times until the 1880s. By 1917, the unending filibuster came to a head under President Woodrow Wilson when Senate Republicans filibustered Wilson's effort to arm merchant ships at the beginning of the U.S. role in World War I. Wilson wanted a process to end debate on the issue. Senators eventually adopted what was called Rule 22, which said that cloture, that is, the ending of debate, closing off debate, could be invoked by a vote of two-thirds of the senators present. But at least senators had to physically debate an issue. Until 1975, when the Senate amended Rule 22, reducing the number for cloture from two-thirds to three-fifths, which is 60, of all sworn senators, not necessarily those present. But that amendment also created the virtual filibuster. A senator need only to inform the majority leader that he or she intended to uh, filibuster a vote, which effectively halted the process until the majority leader was able to round up 60 votes for the cloture. So the filibustering senator no longer had to stand up in the Senate and talk our debate for hours on end, as we saw actor Jimmy Stewart uh, do in the movie, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. You might call this the lazy senators filibuster.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I've referred to it as a casual filibuster, right? But the whole idea here is that you can now, if you're a Senator, you can kill a piece of legislation sitting in your office at your desk with your feet propped up, right? You don't have to do anything beyond that. And, you know, I think that it's widely understood or it's widely believed right now that Congress is flat, isn't working mm-hmm. and that there, there must be several structural explanations for that. And I do think that the, the casual, lazy filibuster is one of those structural reasons that Congress is flat, isn't working anymore. But you know, there's also a, a, a weird thing that has happened. You were talking earlier about the constitutional design of the Senate mm-hmm. and that the filibuster is not in the constitution. The, the Senate is supposed to operate as a majority vote body for most things with some exceptions. Mm-hmm. Right. And you mentioned those like, uh, impeachment, an impeachment trial requires more than 50 votes. Uh, I think treaties require more than 50 votes, mm-hmm. but the day in and day out business of the Senate is supposed to be done on a majority vote basis. But what has happened with the filibuster is it's it's sort of inverted that it sort of turned it on its ear because now, because the filibuster so easy, It's like almost every piece of legislation requires sixty votes, and because that became such an interminable problem, they created this budget reconciliation device, Mm -hmm. which means if it involves spending money, if it involves something that has to do with the budget,
1: it has to move
0: through. You can't filibuster it, right? Right. So essentially, what they've done is they've they've come up with a system where it's easier to spend money and rack up more government debt than it is to do anything else because yeah. they've streamlined they've streamlined and made it easier to pass budget spending bills but harder to do everything else
1: now not surprisingly with that change in 1975 to rule 22 filibusters increased dramatically mm-hmm. from just a few per 2-year uh, congressional session in the 1960s to 30 or 40 in the 1970s Uh, to well into the hundreds when Democrats took control over the Senate in 2007. So that's where we were until 2013. Frustrated that Republicans were filibustering President Barack Obama's nominees, then-Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid convinced Democratic senators to do away with the filibuster for all presidential nominees except those nominated to the U.S. Supreme Court. So all the nominees... Can no longer are no longer subject to the filibuster except for and that's of course judicial and cabinet and so forth uh, except for the Supreme Court and legislation would still be subject to the filibuster. Republicans warned Democrats at the time that they would come to rue the day that they did that, and indeed they did. Not only was Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell able to move President Trump's nominees and judicial appointments through, McConnell followed Reid's example. And Republicans eliminated the filibuster on Supreme Court nominees, allowing the Senate to confirm Justices Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Now that Democrats are back in charge of the Senate, they may do away with the filibuster on legislation. That's the only part that's still hanging on. And Republicans and conservatives are once again objecting and warning that they will regret the day if uh, when Republicans retake the Senate, and they will probably retake the Senate at some time.
0: So what we've described, essentially, is over time they have carved out several exceptions to the filibuster, right? right? So first this budget reconciliation, and then Harry Reid carved out an exception for presidential nominations, nomination, except for the Supreme Court, right. and then Republicans carved out an additional exception for the Supreme Court. But we still have this problem where ordinary, everyday legislation— has to has to get 60 votes is It's still subject to, to the filibuster,
1: unless they put it under budget reconciliation, which has become the key way to get major legislation passed now. So the $1.9 trillion uh, relief package was done under budget reconciliation.
0: So let's talk a little bit about solutions, because I think you and I both think that even though the filibuster was not in the constitutional design of the Senate, it is in keeping with the intention of the Senate. That mm-hmm. is to slow things down, right? Mm-hmm. But not to kill things. I mean, we, really have, we really are sort of ignoring the Constitution right now because the Senate has essentially created a rule that says everything has to have 60 votes to pass, whereas that's not what the Constitution says. So it seems to me that what we need to do is keep the filibuster but get rid of the lazy filibuster, mm-hmm. right? In other words, if you want to slow down a bill and draw attention to it, draw the public's attention to it. If you want to signal very strong opposition, that's great, but you got to physically put on your comfy shoes and go down and take the well of the Senate and keep reading, giving speeches or reading newspapers or singing songs or whatever, but actually hold the floor.
1: Right. And of course we saw Senator Rand Paul do something like that several years ago and then in Texas, where we are, we saw a state senator, Wendy Davis, mm-hmm. do something like that in the Senate in Texas. And uh, what, what they, they get a lot of attention for doing this. And in, in, the, in the movie, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. As soon as, uh, as soon as Jimmy Stewart, Mr. Smith, steps up and starts doing this, all the media start focusing on yep. it. Because, it, you know, now comes the filibuster and he's going to stand up. How long can he last? And there are people who are trying to find ways to get around him, get him to cut off debate and so forth yep. so that he loses that. Um, but at least it, it costs you something to do that.
0: It costs you something to do, and it, and it also accomplishes something. Because, it does. You know, the last few times there have actually been real in-person Jimmy Stewart-style filibusters in the Senate. I mean, you know, somebody will put out a tweet and say, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so is, is filibustering right now. And it's like high drama. You know, I mean, (laughs) you drop what you're doing and you turn on C-SPAN because you want to see the filibuster. And my
1: recollection is when Senator Paul did this, what, six, seven years ago, Mm. eight years ago or something, he essentially won. I mean, he was doing this. Barack Obama was president. I think he essentially got what he wanted from that.
0: Absolutely. And again, just to just to repeat the intention here, the, the Senate is not supposed to be the place where it's easy to kill things. It's supposed to be the place where things slow down, not necessarily die. And so if you retain the filibuster, but you made it a, I don't know, I don't know. I don't, we should come up with a good term for it, but I keep wanting to call it the Jimmy Stewart filibuster, Mm -hmm. you know, do away with the lazy, casual filibuster, make them actually make a Senator or a group of senators actually decide, okay, do we feel strongly enough about this, that we're actually willing to do this, that we're actually willing to commit as opposed to sitting back at your desk with your feet propped up, drinking a diet Coke and filibustering, which is what happens almost every week in the Senate today.
1: So I think we both agree that the filibuster needs reform, not just ending as some Democrats want to do it, how you reform it. That's I think is open for debate and discussion because there may be some other things that people suggestions that people have, uh, besides the, uh, standing up and talking for hours on end that would actually improve the process rather than just make a mess of it. So, uh, I think we'll say we need reform out there, and we go along with that, but the the Democratic effort to just end the filibuster is nothing more than an attempt to push through major left-leaning legislation without any Republican support. And if they do that, if they do that, they will come to rue the day yep. that they did because at some point Republicans will be back in charge.
0: That's exactly right. You, you create a tool, and you forget that the other side gets to use the tool as, as well. You know, my, my lingering concern here is that when you don't reform something, when you have an opportunity to reform something and you don't do it, it, it's kind of partially your fault if it gets done away with. So, you know, I, I have thought when, when Republicans controlled the Senate, they had an opportunity to reform the filibuster and Mm -hmm. they didn't do it. So if the Democrats do away with it entirely, I think that will be harmful to the Senate, but you know, you had a chance to reform it and you didn't do it. So. Well, as usual, Dr. Matthews and I have the solution to all of our public policy problems, including how to fix the filibuster in the Senate. I hope this has been of interest to you. You can find out a lot more about constitutional issues at our website at ipi.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform and how about sharing it with your friends? Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.